Loudspeaker Studios. And welcome to episode 7 of Talkin' Troma with your host, me, Zach Bynes. The show where me and a guest help the less fortunate by watching a trauma movie and then paired with a non-trauma title for a fantasy double feature. But first, let me introduce my guest. He is a filmmaker, having directed several short films with his production company, Nebulous Visions, including Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van, he hosts the weekly podcast, Real Nerds. I'd like to welcome Brad Haig. Brad, it's nice to have you on the show. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me on, Zach. So you do the Real Nerds podcast, which is a weekly uh, show where you talk about movies in general. Tell, tell us a little more about the Real Nerds. Yeah, every week we go see a new movie and podcast our experience of the world um, with Ryan and Zach and James and Henry and Corinne. Um, and it's really just kind of like a hangout. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, recent movie news, uh, what's going on film-wise in Denver, uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases we've been watching just at home. And then finally, we kind of wrap it all up with the discussion of the movie we watched of the week. Nice. I, your podcast was one of the big inspirations for me to do this. Um, nice. during, the, during the pandemic, I was really missing out on the camaraderie of just watching movies with people and talking about movies with people so i really started listening to your podcast like pretty close into lockdown and i was really starting to miss that and it, it really like helped it was like hanging out with a bunch of friends and it helps that i know know some of you guys but it really helped me get through the last year just hearing you guys talk about movies and i was like i want to talk about movies too um but i don't you know, I watch, I know, I have a wealth of knowledge on trauma movies. So I was like, well, maybe I should just start my own. Um, but have you guys on um, episodes. And at one point I will have every real nerd on the show for something. So, but, and so you also make movies, let alone doing podcasts, including one you put me in Jean-Claude Van Damme's damn van that actually has Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. Uh, yeah, it actually does have him in there in a way yes <laughs> his image is in the movie um i was actually thinking today about it of like i was just kind of looking back at the screenings and i started to like picture the audience in my head i'm like i wonder how many people showed up thinking he was actually going to be in it and were disappointed i, <laughs> didn't I, tell knew, me. I did i didn't even know exactly how he was or was not going to be in the movie until i watched it in the theater <laughs> so it's a is it on youtube right now or Oh yeah. Um, just go to nebusvisions.com on YouTube. Nice. Um, it, t tell, tell everybody a little bit about the plot of Jean-Claude Van Damme's Dan Van. Uh, it's an homage to 80s and 90s action flicks. Um, Colonel Luke Sloan and his son have a flower delivery business and they find out that the evil mayor of Paradise City is planning to demolish the hockey stadium and uh, replace it with um, his new mansion. And to do that, he hires a serial killer to murder a bunch of people that stand in his way. And once Luke and his son stumble onto that, it sets off a chain of events that uh, 
drag them into the criminal underworld. They fight ninjas and gangs and uh, <laughs> just assorted bad baddies. Yeah, sort of cliche baddies, uh, you know, so like... the uh, bad guy I played in, I <laughs> I just did it. I don't even think I asked you. I played a Cretan from the class of Newcomb High movies. I wore, I have like a, you know, like a metal vest and it said Cretans on the back and I painted my face up like a Newcomb High Cretan. So I don't know if you know, I did that because of trauma in your movie, but you're welcome. I threw a trauma reference in your movie. <laughs> I think you told me about it, but I'm just going to say that's a, that's a Van Damme original character now because um, that's what I'm going to remember it as. It works for me. <laughs> yeah. Your character, Gerg, which I should have named Otis, but. Did cause... you know that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, has an appearance in a trauma movie? No, which one? So trauma made this documentary called all the love you can about uh, before they got banned from uh, Cannes, they just about their experiences in uh, the Cannes Film Festival, and the Troma team walks up and they see this huge like press conference about ready to start, and they're all waiting on this dock because Jean Claude Van Damme is going to show up, and so the, everyone's waiting there, and the Troma team's like trying to get everyone's attention, and uh, they're not having it, and then Jean Claude Van Damme pulls up on a boat. He waves at everybody and takes off immediately. And all the press is like, what the fuck? And, and so then everyone's like, uh, trauma, look at Kabuki Man, trauma. So. <laughs> That's funny. It's like um, Van Damme showing up in uh, Last Action Hero. <laughs> yes. It's like, just, just like a guy on the red carpet. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and you make, you make other movies too. Um, like you constantly do like the 48 hour film festivals here in Denver. Um, yeah. For 11 years, we did a, a film five to uh, five to seven minute uh, short, uh, you know, f- uh, for those listening, it's um, you register for the weekend. They give you uh, uh, suggestions of, uh, well, not the mandates of character to use prop to use and line of dialogue to incorporate. And all the teams use those same three elements and then each team gets their own uh, different genre at random. And then you spend the next three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, making a short film based on that combination. And then you screen it a week later. Have, have you ever submitted any of your films to the Trauma Dance Film Festival? I didn't know I can. <laughs> so it, Trauma Dance is pretty cool um, because it's trauma. They, they know that you know movies cost a lot of money to make but not everybody has a lot of money so they don't charge any submission fees and it's free free to submit to the festival um so they used to do it in park city utah and now it is uh it's in new jersey um i think the next trauma dance is coming up in a few weeks not even virtual um (laughs) it's actually at a drive-in uh that's awesome this year so it was at a bowling alley for a little while but um so yeah, you should really submit your submit your movies and also any filmmakers out there look into submitting your shorts at Troma Dance. I've I'm a veteran of the Troma Dance Film Festival a few years and it's just a good exposure and good fun. Did you guys submit anything? Yeah, we had um we had three movies play. We had The Misled Romance of Cannibal Girl and Incest Boy play Unicorn and My Bloody Valentine. So all three oh, wow. of those shorts, and actually all three of those shorts are on the uh, Best of Troma Dance Volume Five DVD. So, and I think oh, wow. some of some of them are on Troma now. I'm not too sure. Although, actually, <laughs> shameless plug, and I'm uh, my my movie Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer 
um, just a, like two days ago, uh, finally made it on Troma now. So everyone. Can yeah. Watch I, <laughs> I saw that you, you, everyone should do that. Cause it's, it's so much fun. Um, a, is there space on there to actually put the documentary on there? Uh, we, so they, we told them we have a documentary and they said they'd be interested. The more people watch the movie. So watch the movie and then we could get the documentary on there, but on the yeah. DL it's on YouTube. So if you like the movie, the documentary is on YouTube. So. Watch it for free on YouTube, yeah. But, but yeah, it's the documentary. First month of Troma too. now is free, so sign up for that free month and play my movie a bunch, so Troma will give us a Blu-ray <laughs> down the road. That's right. It's only on DVD, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you guys should have a Blu-ray. We we uh, technically shot it in high definition. I don't know if uh, if that comes off because we're pretty. Um, not very tech technologically savvy filmmakers but <laughs> you know yeah, so if you don't give it to me i'll i'll turn it into a made at home blu-ray that sounds good to me <laughs> <laughs> i love making blu-rays even though they're quickly becoming obsolete unless you're you know a film collector who recognizes the, the uh awesome power of having physical media right now I'm, I'm trying to collect every trauma dvd or blu-ray that's been released so that's uh that's been a fun, fun uh, experiment. <laughs> I have a good chunk, though. I have a, Are you just tracking him down online? Since a... Doing a lot of eBay scouring for stuff. Um, but some of some of them are like super out of print. Like I, one I'm I, I'm gonna say that say again on this episode. I want to get Tom Cat Angels. I don't necessarily know if I'm going to like that movie, but I don't want to pay $300 for that DVD. So <laughs> if, in, if anybody has like a spare copy on DVD, they want to send me, I will gladly take that off your hands, and put you on an episode. So we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing when I was, uh, when, we, when we wrote Jean-Claude Van Damme's damn van, I wrote it having only seen about three or four of his probably biggest movies. And then as we were making the film, I started tracking down, um, a lot of stuff and a lot of his like 2000 stuff is either just only in f French or, or Belgian. Like, like they're very European like movies and hard to come by. Um, so it's, it's been like a lot of them are on DVD, but I want to get Blu-rays of them. And like 88 films has been just pumping out um, a bunch of those into Blu-ray now, which is great. You need to get that so. all region player if you haven't yet. Yeah, it's just hard because I have a Blu-ray player and then I got the 4K player and now I'm like, it's just so many boxes. I even have like HD <laughs> DVD player that I just have and like there's no reason to use it. Um, so I'm just like, oh, I want to spend like another 150 bucks on an all-region player. It's like, totally should, worth it. I really want to watch that special edition. Yeah, I have this beautiful Street Fighter edition that they made and I like can't watch it. It... I mean, it's a blessing and a curse having the all region player, but it is like, it's opened up so many doors for my collection of just like random, random stuff. Like I found out, like I'm on the German uh, DVD of the Toxic Avenger, which I would have never get known if I didn't have a all region player. So. <laughs> What's it like hearing that movie in German? It's in true trauma fashion. It's still in English, but the menus are in German. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's a lot of hunting and picking because <laughs> I can't, I can't read it. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, making like a on my DVDs and everything. I've been uh, really pushing to actually subtitle everything I make. Um, you know, just make it more accessible for people because, you know, I, just because I'm an indie filmmaker doesn't mean I can cater. I can't cater to you know 
the hearing impaired. They, um, my movie got subtitled. It was on Amazon Prime for a little bit, and I think one of the requirements they had was having it subtitled. And I thought that was pretty funny because they didn't ask us to do it. So there was like some poor intern somewhere that had to watch that movie over and over, writing out fart jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Asterix, fart, asterix. Exactly. (laughs) Sloppy, asterix. Yeah. Asterix. (laughs) Asterix. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still working on the Van Damme Blu-ray and I'm kind of dreading like... you know, it's the longest film I've made, so I have to retype everything you know, again. It's like, I'll get it done, but it's just like a bit of a daunting task. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, I, when I do a 48, it's like a four minute, usually. Yeah, five, like a minutes. nice short. <laughs> yeah. And our last one um, was, was a silent film? No, it was a noir. Never mind. Forget it. Just because of black and white, I got confused. <laughs> it was a weird year last year. But you still made movies last year, which is impressive. Like, the most uh, movies, <laughs> which was surprising. Did were you able to take advantage of any abandoned uh, city shots, or? No, I wish I did. Though um, uh, someone did do what I wanted to do. They showed it to me. I was like, oh, yeah, it was man, Michael Bliss. Uh, he went out periodically and just shot downtown Denver, which. Even in the like, if you go to downtown Denver on the, like early on a Sunday, you could probably achieve the same effect. Like it's really quiet from like six to eight in the morning on a weekend. Uh, but yeah, he got this like empty downtown streets that just felt like a zombie movie, you know? That's pretty um, rad. I was like, oh, I wish I had that. Um, but no, I, I actually worked <laughs> through the <laughs> pandemic, so I didn't get to spend a lot of time outside, even distancing myself yeah i was just outside to and from work <laughs> and seeing all the empty streets so didn't film anything though so <laughs> i wish yeah I it's wish. like yeah as soon as it happened i like, oh, this is prime time to make films with uh you know my friends and it just kind of ha- happen Although in a couple of years, I wonder, like, when you see, like, the abandoned shots that people, like, stole during that time, like, it'd be like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm just fucking doing We'd my like part to... and staying inside. <laughs> <laughs> like, we want to forget this era, really. Like, we don't be reminded of what happened. Yeah, I was actually uh, impressed uh, that 40 Hour for Denver last year, we made a conscious effort, like, let's not make anything that references the pandemic. Uh, let's just make our own thing. Because all the other teams are definitely going to make jokes or reference the pandemic. And to my surprise, I think only one team did that out of oh, that's good. 20. Uh, and we're like, wow, uh, you know, our city's not tacky. That's great. And then you watch the, uh, like the worldwide collection of films and like everyone else did it. <laughs> You're just like, oh, man. Um, and they... They won too, so it's like, oh, I guess I should have should have shot for that. <laughs> Beat that dead horse. Yeah. I guess well, there's it, an audience for it. So but I guess back onto the, the subject at hand. Um <laughs> so uh what was your first introduction into trauma movies? Like how did how did you first hear about them? I don't have a clear picture, but I'm pretty sure in high school, like I heard about the Toxic Avenger. Um but this is like the late nineties. So, you know, unless I went down to Suncoast or something, I wasn't going to get my hands on anything trauma. So around two, 
mid 2000s uh, some of my friends were hanging out and uh, i fear we were watching but we saw a trailer for killer condom one of us bought it as a as, a, as like a gag gift for uh, another one of our friends we watched it and we're like this was a mistake uh this is not the fun outing we expected from the trailer um so that was really the first thing but just uh I've, i'd heard about the aura of tra- oh no the cannibal musical like um, like most colorado <laughs> yeah like most coloradans yeah like probably like 99 yeah like my friend adam got it and introduced me to it and it's like oh the, the south park people did other stuff like oh they're from boulder like they did this this is awesome um yeah so that was yeah the, the first thing um yeah we, we quote quote that incessantly for years <laughs> and years um and yeah i didn't watch like the toxic avenger until probably four or five years ago because of streaming i was easier access to find these things so the movie i picked part of a couple reasons i i uh wanted you on this episode was um i that the the movie played at Troma Dance Film Festival. It had its premiere um, at a film festival, and it's by a first time filmmaker. It's their first movie, and so I thought it'd be fun to have another filmmaker uh, on to talk about you know kind of the early days of of making movies from this era because I feel like you also shot movies around the same time. Also, that I know you're a big Office fan and you had not seen this movie yet. Here is the trailer for Jenna Fisher's 2004 directorial debut, Lolly Love. Greetings from Tromaville. I'm Lloyd Kaufman, president of Troma Entertainment and creator of The Toxic Avenger. Over the years, Troma has made a lot of money feeding the public craving for sex and violence. And that's why we feel it's now time to give something back to the community. Troma has financed a touching new documentary about two young people who are trying to make the world a better place by helping the homeless. We provide homeless individuals with a lollipop. But they're not just any lollipop, which would be great. Each wrapper features some of James's original artwork. I think that a homeless person might see one of my artworks and it might change their worthless life into a life that has meaning. You know, I don't want to start a charity just because something bad happened to me. No, oh no, I got breast cancer. Oh no, my kid was kidnapped. James and Jenna Gunn have to surmount innumerable odds. $250,000 out of our pockets to hand suckers out. So what you're saying is you're open to the idea, but you're not. What I'm saying is I'm closed to this idea. And even battle their own internal struggles. If anybody cares anything about the homeless, it's me. You're the one that's on the telephones trying to get on TV all day. The only reason I'd ever want to be on TV is because I know I would be a good example for other stupid fucking people. But in the end, their tenderness... They smell. They do smell. Intelligence. You think back to like the Holocaust, a terrible, terrible time. Yes. Worth it? Perhaps. Perseverance. Honey, what are you doing? What? You're not wearing that. Oh, come on, baby. Safety first. And love. Bring them through. What's wrong? What's up? <laughs> that guy, he said that he was, he was gonna f- my bloody gash. I don't know what it so, means, but I dropped that, that guy, he said we're gonna f- honey, what? Gash. That's your vagina, baby. He's talking about your vagina. 
God damn it. They're an example of what we all can be if we would only try. I'm gonna get a frappuccino. You guys want anything? Oh, I would love a Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Join Troma Studios in taking the high ground with Lolly Love on DVD. I really can't think of much else but Jesus Christ. He gave himself, and that's what I do with my art. The only difference is, is that Jesus is a totally made-up guy, um, and I'm completely real. Starring Jenna Fisher of the hit TV series, The Office. James Gunn, writer of Dawn of the Dead and writer-director of Slither. Judy Greer of The Village and Elizabethtown. Jason Siegel of How I Met Your Mother and Linda Cardellini of Scooby-Doo and ER. Directed by Jenna Fisher. Troma Entertainment presents the most outrageous, offensive, in-your-face comedy of the past 10 years, Lolly Love, available on DVD March 2006. Lolly Love, it's almost as good as helping the homeless yourself. Had you even heard of this movie before? I hadn't until you brought it up. I was like, wow, where, where did this come from? It, is the trauma movie <laughs> <laughs> well and yeah you look at like the cover and it's like like pink and it it does not look like a typical uh trauma trauma yeah, it's, affair it's very uh, light but, on blood and guts and <laughs> and that's one of the kind of the things i'm trying to dispel with with the show is that trauma is not just all boobs bloods and beasts they have a whole huge library of different things such as like a movie directed by Jenna Fisher, who uh, this was made before The Office. It's just kind of crazy to see like like where she started from. Uh, yeah. In this, it seems like uh, like re- like really right before The Office because I think this is from two thousand four, and I think they were doing the pilot in two thousand four. So, yeah, they she got. I think she got cast in The Office like like right around when they were making the like finishing the movie up. So. Yeah, um, she and, has a book out about like how to like deal with being like a an actor, like struggling actor, getting into the business. So uh, I kind of want to pick it up to see if she like writes anything about like, hey, I also directed while I was auditioning for things. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look that up. I did not know that. Do you know what it's called? Uh, I don't, but she advertises it on her on the Office Ladies podcast uh, often. So gotcha. uh, I'm sure if you type into Amazon, like Jenna Fisher um acting it'll probably come up (laughs) (laughs) probably um so this this isn't um her first trauma movie believe it or not um there is another one and i'm gonna do an episode on this movie it's a children's film called doggy tales and it's like 30 minutes long of dog footage um james gunn who's also in lolly love he you know is directing the guardians of the galaxy suicide squad um, he's he's in Doggy Tales as well as Lolly Love, um, and it's like it's got a crazy cast of just people doing dog voices. So this is her second trauma movie, um, and it's and it's very much her and and James Gunn side by side. So that's another reason I thought you might get a kick out of this one. Yeah, um, I lo- I love James Gunn's stuff too. Like probably as early as Super, I was paying attention to what he was doing um super's awesome yeah he's got really good really fast <laughs> yeah uh, like he went from super to slither i think no slither slither and, was first and then super and then i think he yeah he did guardians right after super right uh 
yeah, he, there's like the he did like PG porn and Humanzy, I think, like right after. But those are, I think, like web series or short films. But yeah, yeah. like right after that was. Yeah, that's impressive because Super's a s- small movie. Um, Which is funny because that has uh, Rain Wilson also in the office. Oh, I bet that was uh, him knowing Jenna. It's probably uh, easier to sell. Yeah, be like, hey, you should uh, be in my my movie. (laughs) Yeah, be in my uh, ex-husband's movie. So, um, as we said, this was Jenna Fisher's first movie. I actually have a clip of her talking about um kind of where she got the idea um to even make a movie well i was in australia with my husband james gunn and he was working on uh scooby-doo the first scooby-doo movie and uh we were with some of the stars of that film and they were talking about how on the weekends in their free time they make little short films i visited linda cardellini on the set and she got a gift from her then boyfriend jason siegel which was a DVD about how um, he missed her so much he began a homosexual affair with his roommate. And it was really cute. And I thought, wow, they like made a short film on the weekend. And it became really inspired. And I thought, well, we have a digital camera at home. Maybe James and I can make a film on the weekend. And it inspired me to uh, make my own movie. Uh, They made it look really easy. Well, I thought that was kind of cool in the clip she talks about um just getting her friends together and just shooting a movie on the weekend i'm sure you can relate to to doing that as well right brad (laughs) oh yeah that's the most fun i have like i feel a little bad you know trying to you know do more in this industry uh and like be professional um but like i i feel bad that like i've had i'm fortunate obviously that a lot of my friends have donated their time to make films um, when I want to be able to actually pay people to do this stuff. Uh, so yeah, I can relate to that. It's like, cool. Like we're just going to get together for basically film camp one weekend out of the year. And you know, we're not allowed to spend money yeah. on people uh, <laughs> per the rules of the contest. So um, yeah. And obviously with, with like the real there's pod show too, um, getting everyone together to like make a web series uh, that supports yeah, our podcast is tons of fun. It's a I, I can't wait to be in an episode. It's pretty funny. In in uh in Lolly Love, I, I wanna talk about the just some of the other trauma people in in here. So the movie was actually produced by Stephen Blackheart. He plays Benny Q in Tromeo and Juliet, which uh James Gunn wrote that movie. Um and James Gunn he's uncredited as a writer, but there's a lot of improvisation that happens at Bali love. So he, you know, co basically co-wrote this movie as well as starred in it. But, uh, Stephen Blackheart, as well as playing Benny Q, um, he's in the trauma movie, rockabilly vampire, as well as like a bunch of trauma did different TV shows like Traumaville cafe and trauma's edge TV. But James Gunn and him have been friends for a long time as so you can see Stephen Blackheart in Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, I know he's going to be in Suicide Squad as well. So it's kind of fun to see that their friendship started on Tromeo and Juliet and it's kind of, you know, made their way, you know, through Hollywood, which is pretty cool. I distinctly uh, actually remember one of my earliest memories of Troma is Siskel or Siskel and Ebert Ebert actually really enjoyed Tromeo and Juliet, right? 
Yeah, no, he he did. I actually think there's in all the love you can. I believe there's a scene where they they come across Ebert and, and he's like, "I love those trauma movies, Lloyd, or something like that." But they're like, "He he liked Romeo." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then then also in the movie, the composer um, Willie Wisely, he uh, did the music for Romeo and Juliet. He did the score as well as uh, for the Tromaville Cafe. And he did some, he did a song for Citizen Toxie as well. So um, those are like kind of the trauma people that, that worked on, on this one. Um, but another person who, while researching the movie, was really important behind the scenes was, uh, he's like the cinematographer and editor, and one of the writers, Peter Alton. And he also uh, made the Beef series, which, um is and he did a lot of like reality tv shows beef is uh hip-hop documentaries about just all the hip-hop beefs which i love love those they're great but he pete was in a play with jenna fisher uh they were in nosferatu and they kind of you know decided they want to write this movie together wally love like way before you know, just kind of at the beginning of their career. Because I can't picture Jenna Fisher and Nosferatu, but I totally wish there was like a <laughs> tape of that. <laughs> I know, I, I wish there was more access to where, you know, famous actors got their start performances, like see how they've grown as performers. Listening to the commentary on this, it's actually a really funny commentary. I got a lot of information. The DVD's like loaded with behind the scenes and stuff like that, but the commentary's pretty good they talk about um they got the idea to film the to make the movie sort of mockumentary because they were big curb your enthusiasm fans so they wanted to kind of do it it similar to that that style so i didn't realize curb was that old wow right old old men and so they were thinking also because of lolly love um jenna probably got the role in in the office because she did a very similar style of acting in Lolly Love as as to the office. So they were thinking that was probably a a good shoe, you know, way into the door on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, she had to have chemistry with uh, John Krasinski too. So yeah, a lot of the office stuff I've uh, heard is like, um, yeah, the, like that's kind of what did it. Is like they just had a really good rapport on and off set, so that helped too. Um, in this movie, uh, they said took two to three years to shoot, which I definitely believe if they were just shooting on the weekends and in really? between wow. everybody's schedule. But they sound like they shot it a couple times just to nail down the jokes and the pacing of the of the movie. Interesting. I would have totally just guessed a weekend. <laughs> right. I mean, it seemed like it could have could have been a weekend. It's not a long movie. It's pretty brisk. It's like yeah. an hour and five minutes. I was surprised how short it was. Yeah. So I'm always down for that. Well, one thing in the in the commentary um, that that is the comment the DVD came out in 2005. So the current culture of the world is very different than it is now. So they talk about uh, different asshole celebrities, like the worst asshole celebrity they ever met. James Gunn was like Lemmy from Motorhead, which I thought was funny because they did Tromeo and Juliet together. Um, <laughs> But the the one that is kind of shocking, which you know you don't hear anybody talking about, especially with me too, is Jenna Fisher says Joey Pants, Joey Pantliano, um, and that he like groped her in a casino. 
because he was famous. So it's like, huh, well, (laughs) I, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that gets out there. I mean, is, is interesting to hear on the, on the thing. And it, I just watched him in a midnight run, which I did not enjoy. Um, (laughs) We're watching the Sopranos. I'm watching the Sopranos right now. And, uh, and I I know what happens, but uh, yeah, I can't wait for it even more now. (laughs) (laughs) That's unfortunate because I really liked him as Cypher in the Matrix, but. (laughs) And, and who doesn't love the Goonies? (laughs) So. Yeah. But no one grew up Jenna Fisher. That's uncalled for. Right. So I was debating mentioning that or not. So we'll. (laughs) We'll see. Is is no, just interesting. If you have in, to, is interesting to to hear. Oh yeah, it's always great gossip. Just who's a scumbag and behind the scenes in Hollywood. They they were all. It was it was weird how it's like brought up. They're all like kind of laughing about it. And James is like like you gotta say he didn't fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like otherwise that's what everyone's gonna think that's what happened. She's like no, he just groped me. And I'm like huh. Very different conversation if that was recorded within the last <laughs> few years. All right, well, let's uh, and got kind of a little bit of the the behind the scenes out of the way. Let's just dig into into Lolly Love. I actually wish I had your DVD because one of the fascinating things for me is like watch uh, or listen to commentaries and see the you know deleted scenes and stuff. I, I watched this on Amazon, so I only got the movie. So I'll let, I'll let you borrow it. It's I mean, it's the DVD is it shows up on eBay. It's actually a pretty cheap one most of the time. It's I I'd say it's worth worth owning. It makes me giggle uh, quite a bit. Which it, were you expecting um, a movie directed by Jenna Fisher to be as offensive as it is? Uh, what do you mean by offensive? Because the only thing I found offensive was the characters they play. <laughs> yeah. So, so the character, the characters, they're playing uh, characters of themselves, James and Jenna, a Hollywood yeah. elite couple who they want to do some sort of um, like charity work to just to show how great they are, not necessarily to help anybody, but to look, to look good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very performative and definitely put the spotlights on them and not the people they claim to want to help, you know? And so it's all set up as like a documentary, the whole film. Um, so what, I guess what I'm talking about, just kind of like offensive stuff is just some of the humor. Like I never, like when you're watching the office, you just don't expect um, Pam to call somebody a cocksucker. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like stuff like that are, are like, you know, make jokes about the Holocaust <laughs> or breast <Yeah>. cancer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's not something you would expect. <laughs> but I, I think her being paired with James Gunn, I think, uh, diffused that for me because I'm like, he would totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In well, 2004. And, yeah, before he got uh, busted for pizza gated. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and it's funny because, like, right out off the top of the the sh- the show, they're trying to figure out what what to uh do a charity force they're like should we do it for cancer done to death multiple yeah. <laughs> sclerosis no gays in the military no diabetes and they're like how about the kids with the bunny lip the cleft palate no yep. and then they decide on the homeless yeah. and so lolly love is about they getting a lollipops to homeless people with inspirational artwork on them so, made like by that, james gunn himself yes and so 
they uh, they decide that's going to be their their big thing to help the homeless, and um, they start cold calling all these corporate sponsors, and they're told to go fuck off. <laughs> and, <laughs> initially, uh, yeah, initially. So, and you just kind of get uh, just used to the the characters. James, you see that he has OCD, and he. Big germaphobe. Yeah, he's like just scrubbing his hands. He's like, yeah, it might be tough with the the homeless people because they're riddled with E. coli. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty mean to homeless people in this movie. Which, yeah, I mean, it's like you know that they're playing characters of of uh, you know I'm sure that, people that type met, of yeah. Hollywood person who's so removed from everything but if you took this movie at face value they're some of the most despicable people yeah. that you would ever you would ever meet yeah um, that, that was the hardest part for me knowing that from like i've never met him but what from seeing on like um you know behind the scenes of other things and on twitter like they seem like great like genuine good people and just to see them be absolute garbage <laughs> in this movie it's like wow it's it's tough to separate you know well, and it's kind of funny, like we briefly mentioned um, James Gunn getting canceled. So um, I keep cutting this out of every podcast. So I don't know if I quite want to go there yet, but I feel like this is the appropriate one to talk about. So James Gunn um, got uh, fired from directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 uh, because so he was very outspoken against um, the 45th president on Twitter and a lot of people took offense to that. And so they were like, well, fuck this guy. We, you know, let's deplatform him. And they dug let's, up his. Let's get him canceled. Yeah, let's cancel him. So they dug up his old um, offensive tweets uh, back when he made like Lolly laugh. So it, the humor is very much there, which I was just thinking if, if they would have watched this movie, <laughs> they would have had so much more ammo. <laughs> <against> yeah. <laughs> or Citizen but, Toxie, like that performance. Yeah. Where in Citizen Toxie, he plays a, um, a professor who, who has uh, got cerebral palsy. <laughs> yeah. Oof. That was a tough one to watch too. But uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty funny. So like, like you see him, uh, you know, basically, the the person they portray in this movie is a person that that you know Disney thought they were firing, which is not not like James Gunn at all. Like he's he he's, knows he's grown. The, yeah, yeah, he knows the jokes and, <laughs> but the humor definitely doesn't sit well with everybody. Yeah, so. and I think like his he argued that like he left like obviously yeah you would probably smart things probably delete those as you go but he was like you know, I, I should have the shame on me. You know, that's why I'm leaving there. Like, um, to show that you can't grow into a better person, you know, I shouldn't try to hide this. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's such a big part of his like coming up from the, you know, from the streets, from the trauma team. It's weird to see in the, when he got canceled, um, they started, um, trying to drag trauma into that saying that Lloyd was one of the um, leaders of this pedophile cult that he was part of um, because like Lloyd would be like, here's my good friend, James, we met at an AMBLA meeting. <laughs> and, so, like, and then, then they would post like pictures of like Lloyd's grandkids, you know, in a movie, but they'll have like fake blood on them. 
and they're like see they're worshiping satan and then they started bringing you know my friends pictures into this you know just different people from the trauma team luckily it all got um yeah it worked out great for james because he's directing dc and marvel so yeah it worked out good for him but it was kind of kind of scary there for a little bit like i even told my wife it's like there's a possibility that they might draw from adam well yeah and some of these crazy pizzagate people could start trying to dox us like they were doing you know other people that i knew it was just a matter of time but luckily there was some people on the trauma team who were extremely outspoken against these QAnon fucks and um said they were going to give them fire herpes and just started (laughs) started this fire herpes hashtag which um everything this the these people were were posting and it was and when i say pizzagate it was like the guy who started the pizzagate stuff was the same one trying to dox james gunn and all these trauma people so it is just a really weird footnote in history but and then if you watch lolly love the james gunn that is in that movie is the person they thought you know i don't think they were thinking necessarily that he's that character but that's who they were selling as the yeah it's it's really low-hanging fruit yeah like distort that as a you know reality you know but and in so in lolly love like james gunn compares himself to jesus like right out of the (laughs) cave he's like but but instead of uh jesus i'm a totally real person (laughs) (laughs) and he and he talks about his process of and he's just gets like ass naked in his you know palatio mansion in in hollywood hills (laughs) and then um jenna and one of her her attractive lady friends they start handing flyers out in the park promoting lolly love and (laughs) they're just stealing from the donation jar to go get starbucks yeah well yeah james is yeah (laughs) he takes their entire day's work and just spends it on coffee (laughs) <laughs> when they're already they admit early in the movie that they're super wealthy like you yeah. don't have to take it from the jar, from the tip jar. <laughs> yeah so despicable and then they go and uh meet up with uh, linda cardellini and jason seagull um star of scooby-doo and and uh how i met your mother <laughs> yeah um forgetting sheriff marshall tons of apatow stuff um freaks and geeks both freaks of and them geeks yeah it's amazing uh, like I saw a picture of the freaks and geeks poster recently and like all those people became huge. Yeah. And that show yeah. just tanked. I love that show. <laughs> yeah. I've been meaning to catch it. Um, uh, it was on Netflix for a while and I think they took it off. So I lost my chance, but I'm sure it'll be back at some point. Um, download the shout TV app. It's on there. Oh yeah. Duh. But yeah. Like seeing those two pop up in the lolly love was like, Oh wow. And yeah, they, they from- got like real star power <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. So uh, obviously, like you said, they, they got, you know, they kind of help inspire this movie. So obviously they made it in. Yeah. They, and so they, they were saying, um, you know, they're trying to sell this idea to them at this like fancy lunch. And they're like, we need you to give us $250,000. And they're like, oh, well, can the homeless people, you know, use like that artwork as toilet paper? Why don't you just use toilet? Why don't you just give the money to the homeless people? And they, they basically tell, tell them to go <laughs> fuck themselves because it's, it's a pretty despicable idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously a way better idea would just be give the money straight to them. But obviously this is about James and Jenna and yeah. <laughs> PR. Yeah. So, they, and pre- pretty early on in the movie, you could 
James Gunn's character just loses interest in in even doing any of this because they get a phone call from um, from the sponsor and he's like, "Oh, let's let's meet let's meet up. Uh, I want to give you money, possibly." And he's like, "I haven't made any any paintings at all." So they have like a quick getting ready montage and James Gunn is just playing like uh, Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto and Jenna Fisher's actually doing all the work. Yeah, she stays up till 3 a.m. going around town collecting supplies and James is playing with the dog and trying out snacks and he's asleep when she gets home and they have a pitch just the next day and it's brutal when he is uh, like, you know, accuses her of not doing enough <laughs> and he's just like sleeping <laughs> yeah in ordering like tons of pizzas yeah. yeah it's it's pretty funny um and then so they go meet the sponsor probably i'd say this scene in the movie is is probably one of like the like the jewels in the crown of of this is they they put on a play for this uh you know this big businessman and a short one act play about how lolly love is going to actually help the homeless and they play affluent business guy and and yeah and this scene actually it feels like something that would the office could have just lifted i was just about to say that like this is the most the office scene like you could i totally expect the big surprise was that he actually goes along with it like if it was the office they would have been run out of the room because they're definitely michael scott together There's two people and this would be like David Wallace across the way, just being like dumbfounded the whole time. But the twist is that he, he's on board. And like James Gunn, he's wearing a sign around his neck. It says like important businessman. Yeah. It's totally Michael Scott, but like, you know, years before Michael Scott was a, was a thing. Yeah. And so, so the guy, he's like, this is wonderful. I let's see the lollipops and James Gunn forgot the suckers at home. <laughs> so Jenna just, you could see that she's stewing, but, uh, James and then he goes and blames her for it. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's like, I can't believe you forgot this, but he goes to save the day by showing his artwork to the, <laughs> to the businessman, which the artwork, uh, has some decent pieces. Yeah. Those are, those are actually, uh, by Jenna Fisher. She, uh, the oh. paintings or the drawings for That's the, awesome. for the lollipops. So the first one is like a cartoon, of a homeless guy and it uh (laughs) and it and he has like stink lines on it and it says you matter and his eyes are all (laughs) cross-eyed and then the next one it says hi i'm joy and it has like a racist character of like a guy with the sombrero and and they say he's he's his name is felix and they want to do another one um with a muslim guy called mustafa (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah james gets mustafa impression <laughs> where where uh, he'll convince people not to uh r- run planes into the trade center <laughs> yeah. that's i totally with i totally assume those are james gunn's drawings but since pam on the office is an artist uh yeah there's another through line pam cha- changed her she changed her name to pam uh <laughs> this protection it's actually a continuation because she has a lot of same mannerisms and looking at the camera <laughs> they almost break up by the end of the movie so uh yeah i could totally see her changing her identity and moving to scranton and uh roy was actually james gunn this whole time yeah <laughs> he, he got he got fired from his big hollywood uh 
gigs. (laughs) (laughs) Just went to work in a warehouse. Um, But yeah, so they they get in this huge fight because James is like, well, I killed that. Like, you fucked it all up. And um, she's mad because he's like flirting with some girl who wanted to be an assistant (laughs) with them. So they have a little breakup bit where you uh, see James Gunn watching like their actual wedding video where <laughs> so it's like i i can only imagine uh jenna fisher not wanting to go back and revisit this movie now <laughs> <laughs> yeah wasn't uh the assistant also james gunn's sister um in the I, credits? I don't remember i know his sister's in there there's a lot of a lot of oh no his sister's in another scene Okay. Um, now I ju- I just listened to the commentary earlier, so I think they said that was like somebody's girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think they looked alike, but I was just like, I saw, I think it's Melissa Gunn or something in the credits. I was like, who could have that been? Yeah. The scene where, and then Jenna Fisher comes home, um, and James Gunn apologizes to her because he he's totally in the wrong kind of that whole time and he's like well don't you owe me an apology (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) that's another like good office cringy moment (laughs) like that's totally something that would happen on the office so then we bring in uh the marriage counselor who is played by lloyd kaufman and they were saying they brought him in because he's like the only person over 30 that they knew (laughs) (laughs) they had to teach him how to cross himself so (laughs) But that, that's a pretty funny scene. He He's like, he's like you know, sometimes Jenna's just being a bitch. <laughs> like, you, you can't say, say that. It's like, okay, but I mean. <laughs> yeah, so like Lloyd, is that like a, like does it help you get your movie to trauma if you include him? Is that like a. He's in so many movies that uh, <laughs> I don't even think they, it didn't help us. It, it took us almost 10 years to get our movie <laughs> into trauma. I mean, it's he so is like not a lead. grease the wheels tactic. Yeah, but James is actually pretty good because Lloyd is in um, all of his movies that he's directed. Um, he has a small cameo in Slither and um, Super, which he's just mostly relegated to the background because it got cut. Um, but in the deleted scenes, you could see more. But he's in yeah. Guardians. Yeah. Um, not in Guardians 2 because he died in the first one. But he's in Suicide Squad. You could see him in the trailer. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, it's, I noticed that he's in the back of the club there. It's nice to see that uh, that they um, that that he keeps bringing Lloyd in for for all this stuff. Like he has not forgotten his trauma roots. Yeah. If, um, if I made a big, that's what I would do. Right. Insert all my, all the people who got me where I am in there. I gladly accept the role. <laughs> in your You've <laughs> got it. <laughs> all right. Um, all, speaking of people who are big though, so the next scene, um, they start making the lollipops, and they have um, all these attractive ladies helping them. One of which is Judy Greer, who's in Ant Man and Jurassic World, like as one of the main characters. That's yeah. right. But this is like one of the, maybe not the first movie she's done because she was in a, she's a constantly working actress. But she blew up after this movie. She got like thirteen going on thirty, like right after. So yeah, she's one of those people that is like one of those faces. Like, where have I seen them before? For probably like a good ten years, and then I forget what was the big thing that I found. Like, okay, that's a Judy, but probably Arrested Development or something. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. Because then. 
but then it's crazy it's like ant-man and jurassic world <laughs> like she's she's uh yeah and now halloween oh that's right she, yes she's an heir to the um forgetting what the Jimmy Lee Curtis's character like strode <laughs> yeah she's a strode heir so if if uh, if Michael Myers ever finally takes down Laurie Strode, she'd be the next heroine. And if not, they could reboot it to where he does it. <laughs> yeah, again. <laughs> um, so James and Jenna's wedding, our marriage is on the rocks. Um, James is doing research, so he orders bum fights. <laughs> <laughs> Which and I've the- seen. That was another one of those like killer condom era things where like this would be funny to get and then we watched it like this is just mean. Yeah, same. I I ours was like, oh man, I like I hear this is kind of fucked up, but watching a lot of the jackass type stuff. And yeah, so that's we were got, hoping it was. Yeah, it got bum fights like, oh this is this is really sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just exploitive. Like they're just treating these people like shit. Yeah. Um luckily the people who made that they got quite a bit of jail time because of it and lost lost a lot of lawsuits so yeah but (laughs) they did get our money though that sucks (laughs) right that's that's true (laughs) i'll I'll, learn i'll make up for it at some point (laughs) (laughs) but in in that scene like where he's like ordering bum fights he's like coming up with stuff for uh mustafa to do so he he gives him a sidekick osama been awesome uh 9-11 jokes hilarious in 2004 <laughs> right <laughs> not that one <laughs> um and so then they they decide you know some of these homeless people they could be kind of dangerous so they take a self-defense class where they just beat the shit out of the trainer <laughs> when he's dressed up like a homeless man <laughs> cut to next day james is wearing a hazmat homemade hazmat suit because he's still afraid of all the germs and all the ladies they're doing all these glamour shots of them holding the the lollipops just so they could be seen seen uh, do, <laughs> doing good work out there and they they go out to uh meet meet the homeless people and i actually have a audio clip of the making of this scene where james gunn steve blackheart and uh and Peter all talk about uh, filming with actual homeless people. My favorite scene in the movie, well, it's the actual handing out of the lollipops to the homeless people. You know, that's uh, my favorite scene because it's kind of something different in film. Those are actual homeless people we're distributing lollipops to with some of the crazy art. And those people are playing themselves. (laughs) And I think it's something really remarkable because it's sort of the intersection of art and life. I think I only started to see the ethical issues when we were there and Stevie, the producer, is handing guys $5 bills and packs of cigarettes to be in our movie and sign a release. Just ahead of the cameras, I was usually about 50 feet away uh, up at the next homeless person uh, trying to see if they would be interested in being in our film. And usually the response would be, you know, go away, get away from me, I don't want to be bothered, I'm just trying to sleep here, leave me alone. Uh, and then say, well, you know, we'd be willing to give you uh, either, you know, $5 or a pack of cigarettes. And they're like, oh, and they'd perk right up. It, I found it uh, a little strange that almost every time the people took cigarettes instead of the money. But everybody was glad to do it. I mean, in the spirit of Lolly Love, these are 
not people with access to lawyers. And poor Stevie's there getting releases from guys that don't even have last names. And if you look in the credits, there's a guy with no last name. Most of these people were acting when they were dealing with us. They weren't doing, it wasn't nonfiction. It wasn't like we were giving, they knew that we were being funny. Now, there were those people that were being very documentary. There was that sweet, sweet old woman who was talking about how the drawing on her picture looked like somebody she knew or something, and she talked about how she used to draw in high school, and it was very sweet and very touching and very real. That's kind of the ironic thing, is that actually going out there, you know, no one had a... I mean, it did work. <laughs> you could go out and make a difference, even if you're only making a difference in somebody's day. I mean, at least they got paid somehow. They can just like go up there and take their their image and then just run with it. So five dollars yeah. is. Although they decent, they I said guess. like like most of them took the cigarettes, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but they and then they meet like yeah like there's like this guy he's like I'm building this spaceship um, to go see the god made of meat, and then they see an African American man sitting on a park bench he's wearing a business suit and they're like oh homeless guy <laughs> so, and then the news the news is there at the same time so they uh they're filming their good deeds when uh jenna's confronted by by uh kind of a crazy irate homeless guy and uh he's like i'm gonna fuck your bloody gash <laughs> james goes to the fender on her and he gets spit on and he is acting like the Wicked Witch of the West, just melting down. Yeah, he loses it. <laughs> so they all look bad on the news, and it cuts to three months later. Just kind of what they what they learn. James Gunn talks about um, how he how he is traumatized. So he just drew um, pictures of his wife getting raped in every uh, form in the Karma Sutra, <laughs> and they show the artwork in in the commentary. Jenna was like, "Yeah, that was." One of the not a very pleasant experience drawing all these cartoons of myself getting raped. <laughs> so she still drew them. Yeah, because she because she's like, and then James is like, "You're not crying enough in this." <laughs> <laughs> uh. And so they were like, they're like, well, you know, if anything, like you know, maybe Lolly Love wasn't um, a huge success, but the documentary will be inspirational to other people who want to do good work. And they're like, if it wasn't for the Holocaust, Steven Spielberg would have never won an Oscar. We would never have Schindler's List. So maybe it wasn't such a bad thing. <laughs> so what did what did you think of uh, of Lolly Love? Well, like I said before, it was tough to like they do the the fake Hollywood charity performance mm-hmm. so well. They was just like, oh my god, this is so cringe. Like I can't. Uh, but I thought it was a fun turn when it started to, cause I was like, how far can you take this premise for like you know, an hour? And then it turns into their devolving relationship. Uh, so, you know, while also playing these scumbag characters, they also recognize how detrimental that would just be to them as people, yeah. as characters. And then, um, you know, it not going anywhere. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't succeed as, as great. You know, they didn't, cause I think, given the humor when i look back on my own stuff like it would have been easy to like oh the the edgy thing would be for them to actually succeed at this like like hollywood still like the bad guys still win you know yeah um but there's actually a certain like this is like a really you know how disingenuous 
these kinds of things can be. I, I do have a clip I want to play real quick of Jenna Fisher talking about watching this movie with an audience and in the reaction that they that they get. I love seeing it with an audience. I love hearing people react to it, laugh. I like hearing people cringe, you know, and I like seeing people be uncomfortable, sort of shift in their seat when one of the really dark jokes comes up. Um, I love it. I love just all of everyone's reaction. This movie actually was uh, pretty successful um, for it being like a $2,000 shot on mini DV uh, movie. Uh, Jenna Fisher won the SAG Emerging Actor Award for this movie, and it won the 2005 Kodak Independent Soul Award, where they won a bunch of film stock. So, um, so like blank film stock to use in the next film. Yeah. Ah. So, um, I and kind of on that, I have a clip of Lloyd interviewing Jenna about what lessons she learned while making this movie. What have you learned from Lolly Love? What is there an overriding lesson that you've learned this being your first directing job? Um, honestly, I've learned that I don't want to do it again. Um, it was uh, it was not the greatest experience as being a director. I enjoyed producing very much and I enjoyed acting in the film, but uh, the directing aspect just really didn't uh, light me up how I might have expected. This is a make your own damn movie to try to teach uh, teach younger people who might be thinking about making movies, give them a little guidance. Is there something that came out of your film, your experience, that, that you know, something you learned, some overriding matter? When you're a first-time director or a first-time movie maker, allow yourself to make mistakes. Um, allow yourself to um, grab locations when you don't have a permit. Allow yourself to have a plane fly through the middle of your audio. Um, just don't take yourself too seriously. Have fun with it. And I would say also, um, you can get a lot of stuff for free. You really can. When you're making your own movie, people want to help you out. Uh, so it's not an easy, it's not an easy task. You're basically just answering to other people constantly. Which is, you know, it's too bad because I think she did a really good job in this movie and it doesn't seem like an easy one to have directed with all the personalities. And maybe that's probably why she didn't want to do it again. But uh, yeah, although those people aren't that big in 2004. I mean, they're they're emerging, you know, the the biggest one was James Gunn because of the Scooby-Doo movies, really. Yeah. And yeah, he's just a writer. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think we'll wrap up Lolly Love and I'll leave the Lolly Love part before the double features with uh, this clip of Lloyd uh, asking Jenna what's next in the future for her. What's next for Jenna Fisher? Um, well, I'm an actress and my next project is working on the television show The Office, which is an Americanized version of the BBC hit. And I play Pam, the office receptionist. So you're making a lot of money now. Can you give me money for poultry guys now that you're rich and famous? Um, I think that um, I could negotiate something where perhaps I could have a role in poultry Geist and we could work something out. I could purchase a role in the film. <laughs> Diego, are you putting them up for auction? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Plus, it would be very good for your Screen Actors Guild membership, too. <laughs> you know, towards the end of the uh, run of the office, like, if you, if you listen to the the commentary tracks on the DVD of the office, uh, you know, those, those first four seasons, there was a big mandate not to bring on like 
you know, advertise watch this week because this famous person is going to be on. And then that totally went away by like the last four seasons. Um, so I totally feel like Lloyd Kaufman could have been inserted somewhere. Like there's famous people in the last five seasons that are on for like a scene, you know, that I've been like important part of the story. He would have been, <laughs> he would be funny to see in the office. I can't imagine he would like ham it up though. Pretty, pretty they, big. <laughs> they, uh, they always said that uh, Dunder Mifflin, like the creators of uh, the company, like one of the guys killed himself. So they totally should have a flashback of Lloyd <laughs> Kaufman is either Dunder or Mifflin uh, shooting himself. <laughs> like, if you don't make this paper, I'll blow my fucking brains. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's like kind of another, like just like really like weird follow, connect the dots office trauma through line. So there's this movie uh, so Creed um, Bratton in the movie um, or in the office he plays Creed is in another movie called The Ghastly Love of Johnny X which stars Will Keenan who's plays Tromeo and Tromeo and Juliet so <laughs> just kind of a another weird trauma tangential office thing did Lolly Love play theatrically beyond Los Angeles I think it had, I think Lolly Love had a few screenings. It played at the Troma Dance Film Festival um, the year before I went. Uh, so that was kind of exciting because The Office was just starting to, to take off, I think. Um, and, but yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it really played theatrical. Troma didn't do, do a lot of, Theat- they don't do a lot of theatrical um, for their later movies unless like the filmmakers themselves kind of set it up. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if it like ever made it to the Mayan or something. Probably I don't. Not. I don't think I, if it if it would have, I would have been there. Not that I not that I know of. At least in uh, Colorado, it didn't. So, all right, let's hop into the double feature section. It is Lolly Love Night at your theater. What is the other movie you are showing? Yeah, this is tough because I wasn't sure. Like, like I'm not really familiar with programming double features, so I was like, do you do something that is also comedy, or do you something like to is the opposite of what you just watched? And ultimately, I came down to like, you know, this is a this is a comedy and a satire of uh, you know performative charity. Um, so I I leaned into more like, well, what's another example of that? um that's maybe a little bit more highly regarded i guess um like what's the art film version of that that people think would probably like oh this is you know this is the prestige version of this kind of style of documentary and so i chose exit through the gift shop
I hadn't, I watched it again recently to obviously to familiar, familiarize myself with it, but, um, and I hadn't done it. So it came out in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and I meant to rewatch it for our film explosion in 2010 and didn't get around to it because it was on my list. But, um, when I watched it in the theater in 2010, I remember watching it and feeling like, you know, this is a, a for anyone who doesn't know what exit through the gift shop is. It's a film by Banksy. Uh, about a documentarian who intended to make a film about Banksy and didn't finish it. And so, but he got a hold of the footage and made it about the filmmaker who was trying to make a film about Banksy. And that filmmaker also became a street artist while making the documentary. And then it ultimately perverted the principles of street art and became super rich and um, just kind of did like everything that street artists didn't yeah. want to be known for. Um, like all the values of street art, he turned it like he commercialized it. Yeah, and that that the, the exit to the gift shop is so appropriate because it's kind of like he turns street art into like a Disneyland commercial monster machine. Um, and so watching it back then, I also thought, well, this, I wonder if this guy, Mister Brainwash, that we're following, is actually Banksy. Um, and regardless of that, it is at its core just a commentary on. Uh, the commercialization of something pure and um, yeah. like street, the street artists like Shepard Ferry and Banksy in the, in the movie are shown to be like, you know, there's, there's, this, there's messages behind what we do. It's poking fun at the establishment, um, you know, showing how absurd, you know, when Sotheby's auctioning uh, street art for hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, just because all these rich people just have to have it because they want to be associated with the phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, it just like, well, it just makes the, even though it's like $500,000, it's really worthless because it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just a, it's just product instead of uh, anything with a message. So um, that resonated with like, you know, here's Jenna and James Gunn making a commentary on people who just do charity so that the attention is on themselves and you know they're making a product of lollipops when they really should just be giving the money straight to the homeless you know uh, if they can raise it so it's it and he's trying to get his art out there as like a back door um through this thing so that is very much like in exit to the gift shop where terry goes in intending to make a documentary and then he basically uses the documentary to learn what the street artists do and then just copies that and makes the most reductive uh, rip off versions of everything that the people he learned did um, and then sells it and becomes uh, incredibly wealthy off of it. I I love Exit Through the Gift Shop. Uh, so the, I saw this movie, I was, I busted my leg and I was just like laid up watching a bunch of movies and um, my friend Tim brought me this one to watch and and it's one of those movies that did change, you know, definitely changed my life. Um, I never heard of Banksy really before that, but um, after that, it was just so the, what I always, what I took away a lot from it was just the making art at any cost. Um, and which reminded me a lot of um, trauma movies and terror firmer where everybody's dying on the movie set and Lloyd is just yelling, let's make some art. So, um, you know, watching that and taking all sorts of 
Percocets because my leg is broken in half and watching exit through the gift shop. Um, when I was able to start walking around, I started um, dabbling in the street arts um, in, in downtown Denver. I would walk around um, late at night with a walker because I couldn't walk and I would um, spray paint stencils of the Toxic Avenger <laughs> all around town. <laughs> so, nice. uh, with, so I, yeah, like I, I love, uh, I love that movie. It's, it's fun. And then when it got nominated for the Academy Award, I went to LA um, just for vacation and I saw some of Mr. Brainwash's uh, like quote unquote promotional stuff for his Oscar campaign that he did on Hollywood Boulevard, which is, it was just cool to see because you know, you don't really get to see any of like the quote famous stuff, except for when Shepard Ferry was here for a while. But yeah, I mean, other than that, you don't really see too many of the famous stuff here in Denver. I know, like, yeah, most of the stuff in the documentary is European. So yeah. Um, but yeah, like at uh, the place I worked, I came out of the garage one day and someone had uh, pasted something. There's like a big concrete wall behind the office and someone put a just like this character that just yells pool boy. And then uh, I was like, cool street artists are getting to like in my area. Like obviously yeah. since then there's tons of stuff all the time, but you know, I was always like, I don't know, enamored with that image of he had, I think he had like a chainsaw or something. It's like, I don't understand what this is, but I like it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, immersive. I'm, I'm sure that's what people were like when they saw the, I, when they saw my toxic Avenger, they're like, who the hell is like spray painting sloth from the Goonies everywhere. But yeah, probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. well, cool. And for my double feature uh, for this, I thought I wanted to kind of keep in the James Gunn theme for the evening. So I picked a early uh, movie that he wrote uh, the 2000 Craig Mazin film, the specials. Meet the specials. Special. It's like being the last sailor in line behind the horn. The seventh best superhero team in the world. As a special, you'll experience all sorts of exotic wonders. We're for the oddball, the rebel, the outcast, the, the geek. geek. You're a Dudley girl. You're flower head. They've made mistakes. Don't pull yet. I'm not gonna pull. Ah! Is that a maxi pad on his face? They've been misunderstood. Are you Minuteman? Minute man. Do I look like a soldier from the Revolutionary War? No. I turn small. Think. With superpowers comes super responsibility, damn it. Hmm, that's clever. Love your outfit. And just when a toy company was about to make them famous, superheroes don't get Oscars, we get action figures. They were screwed. Here comes Mrs. Indestructible. They're the specials. He was wrestling just for me. I'm black. I, I think you have vaguely African features. As of today, we are no longer. Tell us what's wrong. What's wrong? Beyond the fact that you're screwing my wife. Now, the stroke broke us apart. Ted, you need therapy. These underdogs must face their fears. You're the one that needs therapy. Fall in love. You want to go back to my place? I'm gay! Mother! <laughs> and find the courage to be heroes in their own special way. Region Entertainment presents a completely original comedy. I extracted this. 
an 83-year-old Caucasian male. Here we go again. It's a pretty good one. Rob Lowe, Jamie Kennedy, Thomas Hayden Church, and Melissa Joan Hart. There are no useless specials. <laughs> Except Mr. Smart, he, he's a washout. The specials. Those pants make you look like you don't have any cock. I know that. Have you ever seen the specials? No, I, I saw a trailer for it at Starfest like 2000. Um, and like, I think that was what, a year after Mystery Men came out? Yeah. So I was like, oh, here's another Mystery Men. And then it never showed up in theaters to my knowledge. If it uh, did, it was like maybe like a Mayan type situation. Yeah, um, which I wasn't paying attention to in high school. So yeah. it It's pretty funny. Um James Gunn says the movie isn't what he um, wrote in the script. And I'm sure part of that's why you don't really hear about the movie. It did just get a Blu-ray release uh, last year, like in October. So I need to pick that up. It's been a little bit since I've seen this movie, but I've actually done this exact double feature before and it, and it oh. worked pretty well. <laughs> um, so back when you could get the disc, the DVDs on Netflix, I did, <laughs> I did it by, by myself. And, so me and my cat watched while we live in the specials together, but it, uh, it stars Rob Lowe and Jamie Kennedy. And, uh, it, it's basic, basically like a mystery men, just a bunch of like kind of terrible superheroes, like a budget justice league or Avengers. And, um, they just kind of get into arguments when they're trying to get their own superhero toy line. And it's not so much like, uh, you don't really see as many action sequences as you do in mystery men, which there's not a lot in there anyways. It's just kind of the, just all these shitty superheroes hanging out together, uh, which is pretty fun. Um, and there's actually a fair amount of, uh, of uh, trauma stuff references with, with uh, the specials as well. A lot of people from Lolly love um, are also in the specials. Judy Greer. She plays deadly girl in there. Um, James Gunn is in it. He plays a uh, minute man, but uh, his name looks like minute man. So he gets pissed because no one can pronounce his name. Right. Uh, Jenna Fisher is in it in an early acting role. Um, James Gunn's brother, uh, Sean Gunn, he plays Sammy Capulet in Tromeo and Juliet, but he's in it. Um, and then just digging through uh, the credits, uh, Paget Brewster uh, plays Miss Indestructible. She's like a pretty big voice actor now for like a lot of DC uh, stuff and like Harvey Birdman and oh, yeah. uh, Criminal Minds. But she's in a, the trauma movie Sizorc 7. Um, and Ray Wise is also in that movie. And then the editor, Jeremy Katzen, was in uh, Witchcraft 4, The Virgin Heart. So uh, those are like kind of the trauma references I found with that. But it's pretty funny. I do want to rewatch it again. It's just been a little bit, but having done that double feature before myself, I, it's just a lot of, it's a funny movie. So yeah, I've like, I've always been curious ever since I saw that trailer, like what it was, but like I said, um, it, it was like, where do I get it? Um, you know, and uh, obviously never dug too hard on the internet to find it, but yeah, like, I, I just brought the Blu-ray up and I have to see if I can get it. Hold on. If you, if you get it, let me know. 
Uh, I'll let you borrow it. <laughs> it's oh. it's funny. I think you'll get a kick out of it, and it's uh, yeah. You know, it's not quite it's not quite mystery men, but it definitely has the James Gunn sensibilities <laughs> in there. So <laughs> yeah, I bet it's way more subversive for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think that about does it for this episode. Uh, so Brad, where can uh, people watch your movies? Uh, well, most of them are on YouTube. So if you uh, type in Nebulous Visions, uh, Nebulous is N E B U L U S visions uh stuff will come up uh nebulousvisions.com um most of the stuff from before last year is updated on there um and then uh jcvddv.com will take you directly to everything jean claude van damme's damn van um yeah i'm on vimeo i'm uh yeah and where and where can they follow you on the social medias on social media, uh, on Instagram, I'm Nebulous Visions. On Twitter, I'm Sperks, S-P-H-E-R-X. Uh, don't do too much on there, uh, but I'm trying to use it more. Um, and on Facebook, it uh, has Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Um, yeah, mostly Instagram. I'm really on Instagram a lot, so just maybe just do that one. I forgot about Radley, Radley TMNT if you don't want to see a, a huge Ninja Turtles collection. And I think everybody does want to see because it's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Not the largest as I, I expected to find out, but um, yeah, it's, at some point I'm like, God, I can't believe I have all this stuff. I should be more responsible. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the money I could have put into films and not turtle toys. Yeah, but then those turtle toys are rad. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe they'll be worth something someday. Um, but yeah, definitely check out his turtle collection. It's awesome. It made me uh, show my Pez collection off. I started a Instagram for all my Pez because I have thousands of Pez as well as dozens yeah, of Android movies. <laughs> I haven't seen it as many posts from you lately. What's going on? I've I've ran out. <laughs> I need that, to buy more. <laughs> oh, that's the collection. That's all up. Yeah, for the most oh. part, I think there's like three or four left that i gotta huh. do but i didn't i didn't see all the ones i gave you i have to check back they're they're in there although some of them are are doubles but they're they're all spread out through through the through the bunch um but yeah everyone out there you could uh follow me on twitter and instagram at Legolaire. you could follow the podcast on twitter at talk and trauma and until next time stay traumatized